This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast and we're coming to you the week after the West London derby. QPR came to Griffin Park. They came to try and conquer. They did not conquer at all. Absolutely no chance at all. Brentford absolutely saw them off 3-1 at Griffin Park on Saturday and it was a marvellous Saturday. All the fans were happy, they were jolly, they were singing, they were dancing. It was going on way into the night. They may listen to this and say, ha-ha, it was their cup final. No, no, it wasn't. To be quite honest with you, it's just another match. We beat you three times now, QPR, in the last four. So it's just kind of like normal service resumed. But we're right in the middle now because on Saturday we're looking forward to our second West London derby in seven days where we go to Craven Cottage. We love going to Craven Cottage. It's absolute jokes we have there. They haven't beaten us at Craven Cottage for Christ knows how many years, so we're going to go there and have some good fun. So, of course, on a Wednesday night, we thought we'd come out to the pub to celebrate... Well, I don't know. Opening of a paper bag, isn't it? <laughs> Any excuse to come out to a pub. So I'm here with the mates in the Mad Hatter's Hotel in Suffolk, just around the corner from Blackfriars Bridge, just around the corner from Waterloo Station. Wicked little venue. You should come down there if you're ever in the area. They're lovely, taking care of us. Been there a couple of times before as well. Sat in the corner. I think we we're at Christmas time. There's all sorts of jumpers. People have got jumpers with lights on them and on their heads and sort of kind of you know reindeer jumping around the place and all that kind of stuff. But there's none of that today. It's back to sort of normal activity in the Mad Hatter Hotel. Apart from Liberal that has got a mad hat on, he's got that bowler hat on. He, again. he does again. He's, he pulls that out occasionally. Normally after a big victory. But um, but yeah. Anyway. Brilliant, brilliant. Thanks for taking care of us here at the Mad Hatters. But like I said, my name is Billy Grant and I've got, I'm sitting here with a big smile on my face because, you know, West London is ours, apparently. Well, we'll, we'll make sure of that, hopefully, on Saturday. But for now, West London is ours as we beat QPR. And I'm sitting here in the Mad Hatters Hotel with Dave Lane. Dave, how are you? A bit worried, mate. Why is that then? World War Three. Well, yeah, there's a few inklings that World War Three is happening, but to be fair... Because it's America, Americans don't know anything outside of America, so the fact we're sitting in Southwark, we're safe, aren't we? We're safe from the Americans, yeah, probably. Um, yeah, no, so you know, I'm going to mark um, the, the death of civilization by, by having a really good podcast tonight and uh, tucking into a few seafarers. Oh, yeah, you've got a bit sort of, you've got a bit sort of, you've got, you've got a bit nautical, haven't you, with the old seafarers, actually? Is that maybe because we're just by the river over there? It's just not too far a walk, is it? 
No, it's not, it's not too far away. And I'm, I'm playing a bit safe. Unlike um, Chris, who's gone bowling in with an ESB really, really early. That's kind of a very, very dangerous move, I'd say. It is a dangerous move, but to be fair, I've already sort of prepared for that because what I've done is going to ask Chris all the questions early. So if Chris disappears later on, you know that's because he's sleeping underneath the table. We've gone West Country. We've actually dragged him back from the West Country in his Hawthorne cart. We've got him back in town. He said he's never going to do another podcast for us again because of all the bullying that we gave to him. But you know that he didn't really mean it. The Liberals in the house. How are you doing, Liberal Nick? I'm really good. I'm really good. I had a fan fantastic day last Saturday uh, the trip back I fell fast asleep at 7 o'clock on the train and woke up by being but I was woken up by the guard in Exeter who said I think this is your stop you better get off here you know so that shows what a type of day it was um, I'm not certain I should have driven back to where I was at home so I had a fantastic day um, and looking forward to doing the same but I made the strategic decision of staying overnight on Saturday night so I can have a really good time excellent job liberal and we got back in the house again he's been with us quite a few times he's pretty much a regular actually to be fair he's got a tent in the corner there and what we do is we just sort of kind of call him just unzip it and he kind of walks out of it the crumble chris in the house how you doing i'm very well thanks bill i'm very well uh yeah i had an absolutely brilliant uh saturday uh really enjoyed myself sun was shining football was flowing you know witnessed some great great scenes um and i hope for a repeat this saturday as well another you know a great venue to go and watch football so i'm really really looking forward to it excellent it's, it's, it's west london yours by the way uh, I, I share it with my fellow bees i'd hate to claim ownership solely for myself but yeah go on then it's mine yeah all mine <laughs> it's ours it's ours okay so anyway listen let's go back to the weekend and um qpr came to town to be fair they, they might as well not bothered because we came there we absolutely just took care of them dispatched end of story potter did some things that were actually disgraceful we are probably going to hear everyone talking about it in the pub after the game with the Brentford and the QPR fans we're just too good for you that was uh, a very 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 good performance uh, yeah, a few little things lying out at the back as always but going forward when we get it right you know, they just don't know how to deal with some of those players up front and it's a very very happy Saturday afternoon yeah they, they didn't look a bad team particularly they looked like a, you know, a team that shouldn't be struggling and they had a couple of chances but so did we you know, we had lots of chances as well so we did need to work it. we shouldn't forget Bentley's contribution again because he made some good saves but you know there's some underrated players in that team and if, if I ever hear anyone moan about Sawyers again you know they really really need to reconsider their position about football that was the best goal I've ever seen ever on telly off telly live on live whatever it was just fantastic and describe it describe it for people that weren't here well, uh, describe it for Jake Bidwell so he can see it yeah but, but basically the ball came out to a hotter out wide and he just flicked it past Bidwell ran onto it Cut in. the wrong way, that's the thing, it was the yeah. wrong way as well though, didn't it? Yeah, it was, I think Cruyff's done it before or someone, no, Bergkamp's done it, but it was just magnificent, it's just like, so, uh, I think Bidwell's still wondering where the ball is, he hasn't got a bloody clue, it was just the, the, the best goal I've ever seen, and Hotchie is the best player I've ever seen at Brentford, it was magnificent, uh, I think, you know, I think Dutch was right, there are a few things to iron out at the back, uh, 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 Bentley did very well on a couple of occasions, uh, but, you know, we, we were just too good for them. You've got the Bangkok bee in here today. He's flown in from the Bangkok, yes, today. So you don't see the bees every week. So how was this today game for you? Fabulous. Really good players. Hotters, top man. Good, good side. Oh, totally impressed. I'm actually a season ticket holder. I've come to two games this year. Newcastle and this one. And Brentford were unbelievable. Why we haven't got promotion is beyond me. Best team in the league. I've actually got my season ticket for next year. Next year we go up. It's definitely the best team out. 
by far. UVs. UVs. It all happened so quickly. He, I thought he misplaced his first touch and it got away from him. But the way he took it round the keeper and rolled it into the empty net was just a joy, wasn't it? Just didn't turn up again. But you know, for all our endeavours, few chances. Snow end product. Today you actually put up a bit of a fight. To be fair, we were a different team from back then, but we're still not quite there. And there's been chops and changes in the side over the last couple of weeks, and not been great. But but your boy Hotter just uh, bit on form today, wasn't he? Did you say the word destroy? He did. What, he did. He did. Oh, I'm not saying it again. <laughs> I'm, not saying it. I'm not. I'm not putting words into your mouth, but he did destroy, didn't he? He played all right. <laughs> so reading reports and watching their highlights recently, that's probably one of their better games, I'd say. You might think Rift different, but just what I've looked at and read, seemed a bit different. But you've got to give our boys credit. I thought Sawyers and Woodsy today, midfield, were a class above. They, they're the two that shine. And, and Rico Henry, every game, he just gets better and better. You've got to love him, haven't you? You know, he's got to be future England, isn't he? The sun came out and Brentford shone. I tell you, it was a great game today. Um, some hairy moments, as always, with Brentford. And what were those hairy moments? Well, first half, I thought, I thought Bentley made two good saves. Made, made him look very good saves, but they were good saves, and we, uh, we cleared up afters. But, you know, I just think we are on, on a roll now at the moment. We're just playing such good football. You know, it's so nice to see open play with sweeping football all over the pitch. You know, we're actually using every player on the pitch. Everyone's getting involved. Woods is getting a lot of the ball now and he's putting it around a lot. Lovely to see Sawyers again, you know, really, you know, majestic in the middle. You know, the, what he was doing, the way he's bringing the ball down, going this way, going that way, selling, selling the Rangers players all over the shop. What we are starting to realise, and we have to take into account, that when players move on, it hurts at the time, especially a captain and your, lo- your local neighbours nab him, and it really hurts. But really, who would swap him now? Who would, would you swap Rico Henry for Bidwell? No, I wouldn't swap Tom Phil for Bidwell. We played well as a team. I thought the defence, to give them credit, were awesome. Possibly that goal might have been a little bit close to the line. Obviously, the whole of the ball wasn't over the whole of the line. But it was a nice team performance. And we did well. And then Hotter, obviously, putting the cherry on top. And they were obviously at the end trying to set him up for his hat-trick, Eastley style. But it wasn't to be. But oh well, what a shame. Nice day out. Good result. And... Hopefully see you again next year, QPR. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's going to be plenty of teams against us next season that are going to play that way. Um, or or they're going to actually suss out, the, unless we do find a bit of hype from somewhere, and I know I bang on about this constantly, and, and I know, um, you know, actually I love the beautiful football thing, and I love technical players and stuff like that, but we've got to be absolutely realistic. We are short on hype, so we probably need to find a little bit from somewhere. And, yeah, they're going to do exactly that to us. And, you know, you can talk about not being able to defend, um, you know, corners and, and, and long balls, but, you know, I, I was looking at Rico Henry today, and he's marking six-footers, and, and really there's no other options than that, and, you know, he's, he's, he's it is always going to come out on top, it is what it is, and, and you know, we can't keep built. you know, it is what it is, and we keep beating ourselves up about it, but I don't really think we can improve much in that area. I love watching this type of football, so, you know, you know the difference between QPR and Brentford today, you can see from the kickoffs. When when the team's kicked off, either for, you know, the, um, they kick off at the beginning of the game, half-time, and, and after each goal. This is the difference between the teams. When we kick off, we played the ball, and then we tried to play the ball through QPR. When they kicked off, they loved the ball to Smith, who'd you know, run down the wing. And that's basically the difference between the two teams. Um, probably neither, no team was more effective than the other at that, but, but it's a different way of trying to play football.
you know, QPR, all aerial, all long ball, all, all set-piece rubbish. Um, you know, I, I really can't wait for you to see Yotta's goal again. I thought, I, thought, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. And um, I just can't, I just, again, I just can't wait. You know, Yotta's record since he got back here is unbelievable. He made Bidwell look shy. We, we've got attacking options all over the pitch now. You know, he brought Josef Zun on, and, 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 he, and he was just like, every time the boy comes on, something happens. You know, Canos, he probably had a quiet game today, but he, 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 take, he, he, he takes up two men. Jota may not have, any, may, maybe not have the best, best of games in a Brentford shirt, but still probably might have scored the goal of the season. You know, Vibay, probably not the best of games, but again, he takes up two defenders. So chances happen, and, um, you know, it's all because we've got all this attacking flair, and they, don't, they, can't all, they can't all gel every single game. And um, Brentford really didn't get out of fourth gear today. They didn't need Third to. Mm, they've got in fourth gear once or twice. What, so you've got, your car's got six gears, is it? It has, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, but a lot of people's cars only got four gears, isn't it? Well, my, kids, my car's actually got seven gears. <laughs> so, so basically, you've got a very fast car. I've got a lot of gears. So QPR, or should I actually say Brentford, three, QPR one. Bill, can you just say that again? Bill, can you say that again? Brentford three, QPR one. Sorry, I can't hear you. Brentford 3, QPR 1. Sorry, I fell asleep again. Sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to... It's like the... It's like, you know, like, James Alexander Gordon. Yes. Brentford 3, Queen's Park Rangers 1. So it's just... It's, 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 it's about the inflection in the voice, isn't it? I mean, just because we said it four times doesn't mean that we beat them four times last Saturday because we only beat them once. But we have beaten them twice this season and three times in the last four seasons. We thought that we just rubbed that one out. Because you, you couldn't say it this way. You couldn't say Brentford three, Queens Park Rangers one. That doesn't really work, does no. it? No, no, no. Okay. Or Brentford one. Or Brentford three, Queens Park Rangers one. <laughs> doesn't. No, was, that, was that the score? Yeah. Oh, we're trying to. We're trying to give it to Kibio. We're trying to actually give them something back in this game, but we're really, really struggling. But anyway, let's go on to this game because to me, there's three things that we need to talk about at least here. One of them is Hotter. One of them is Bidwell. And one of them is Holloway. Where should we start? Chelsea players' mums. <laughs> no, 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 no. We should move on. So, Crumble Chris, what should we t- where should we start? Let, let, let's start with the, the really, really good things, which was uh, the whole team played excellently, but, but let's talk about Hotter. Let, you know, let's cut, cut, the, cut to the chase. Hotter. What a goal. What a goal. And I, I, just think, I just think it just goes to show... I was one of the sceptical ones when he first came back. I thought it would take him two months to hit hit the ground, to get match fit, come back into the team, but he hasn't. And he scored one of the best goals that I've seen live at Griffin Park. And just just love the man. Um, and can't wait to see what more what happens on Saturday because you know he's got he's got previous against Fulham, and so uh, hopefully uh, a lot more to come on Saturday. Hopefully. It's interesting you say it's one of the best goals that you've ever seen live. So can you tell me what is the best goal you've ever seen or was that one? Or was that the best goal you've ever seen? Uh, it, it's certainly up there. I, I do have to say um, probably the best goal that I've ever seen live was in 1995 uh, and I was just a young lad. used to live in Wimbledon and that was when back when Wimbledon were at Selhurst Park and they were giving away tickets to the community and I actually saw Tony Yaboa score a quite incredible goal for Leeds against Wimbledon where he flicked it up with both knees 
flicked it up over a defender and then vo uh, volleyed it in off the bar. Uh, just, I, I'm, I've never, never seen an old ground just stunned to silence. And I didn't actually realise that if you watch the video on YouTube with this goal, there's actually Leeds fans all around the ground. And it's, it's quite hilarious, but it's an absolutely brilliant goal. And yeah, that's possibly the best goal that I've ever seen live. Do you think he is watching some Hotter videos? I fully suspect that Tony Yeboah was inspired by Hotter, yeah. I, it make, it, that explains a lot, actually, yeah. Maybe. Uh, yeah, um, Yotta's goal had a real touch of the Lionel Messi's about it. If, you know, Lionel Messi does that every week, pretty much, though. You know, Yotta's got, still got a long way to go to be, you know, to, 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 to link the two names is, is one thing, but that, the goal was pretty special. If it, if it was, you know, scored in a World Cup, We'd be going on about it for, for years, I think. Um, it, it was certainly properly out of the top draw, um, something none of us will ever forget. As, as the best goal I've ever seen, I'll, I'll stick to Brentford. Um, I think the best Brentford goal I've ever seen was Tony Folan away at Peterborough. I, won't, I can't remember what year it was off the top of my head. Um, I think we won 4-2 that day, and it was, it was the most ridiculous. He dribbled, and then he curled it in the top corner. I think he beat about three or four players. And then there was some sort of half. It was it's stunning, um, but to score against your West London rivals, it's uh, that's pretty amazing. I mean, Yacht's got a habit of it, hasn't he? You know, the goal we scored against Fulham, that, you know, when we won two-one at Griffin Park um, a couple of years back, that was that wasn't you know that wasn't as spectacular, but it was you know as equally as kind of like impact impactful. So yeah, you know, let's have another one on Saturday. Liberal. Regular, uh, regular listeners to this will know that I can hardly remember what happened last week, never mind what happened um, five years ago. So, best goals live, I mean, two, two actually, Yotta's goals... No, you've only got one. Well, Yotta's goals against Fulham last, last year, one of them was particularly spectacular, and I'm trying to remember which one it was, whether it's the last minute or... I can't remember, yeah, and I, I simply can't remember. But actually, the one that really sticks in my mind is because for all sorts of reasons, and I was there, was the 1998 World Cup, Michael Owen, Sindetien... Fantastic against that. Were you there? Yeah, I was. Are you? Was, yeah, yeah. Are you opposite stands must have been. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was. Um, I was lucky enough to be rather being um, VIP for that game, um, which meant I had to restrain myself slightly. But that was simply the best goal I've ever seen. Partly because it was really good to see a young player establish himself, and that was his highlight of his career, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. We were probably actually in the same end because I actually got a ticket. We had to get one from a town. I was actually in the VIP in, in the end on the side bit. And I remember when he scored that goal, and I remember, and he did this little thing, and I literally ran down and hugged a Coca-Cola seller. It was, uh, it was, it was that great. It was a really good vibe. Talking about World Cup goals, we were at um, Marseille to see Van Basten's goal against um, Argentina in World Cup '98, which is the following game on after England lost the quarterfinal. Yeah. Oh, that, 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 that match. So, we yeah. went to the quarterfinal. We did, and. Um, Talking, going back to that Fulham game. So what happened in that goal, for people that don't remember it? He just he volleyed it home from the most ridiculous acute angle. Um, it, it was just, like not only a worldie, but it was like an intergalactic goal. And he was way out as well. Oh, he was way out west. And um, talking about that goal, that game back at Craven Cottage, the 4-2 game, Stuart Dallas, one of those goals. That, that Again, if the net wasn't there, the, the ball would still be travelling. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It would have gone. It would have that ball would have gone through the crowd and be ended up and, somewhere in the. And of course, the, the Alan Judge free kick that day. 
<laughs> so many goals, so many goals. And for me, talking about impact, I mean, you might not be the best technical goal and everything like that, but you're talking about when you get a buzz, when the fan sees the ball and it hits the back of the net. And the one that I really do remember is uh, Paul Evans from the halfway line uh, against Preston. And it was against, um, you know, Preston back in the day and he got the ball and he just hit it. And when he scored, everyone went absolutely ballistic because it was just one of those things that you just think would never ever happen it's a real shame because everybody everybody talks about goals from the halfway line they always think about Beckham scoring when he was young for Man United against Wimbledon but actually Evans had done it first and did it better indeed he did he did but I think it's interesting what you say about goals that are technically great compared to goals that have the biggest impact on you and I think there is there's a real distinction there I mean we talk about great goals there but goals that give you that great buzz I mean just Leon Legg against Milton Keynes I can still picture it Donaldson against Portsmouth those are the goals that, that stay with you for a long time as well yeah, indeed indeed so and I think this hotter goal and all the hotter goals will, uh, will stay for us for a long time because um, goals, 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 goals 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 in the goals, goals. goals in the first half goals and at half time goals in the second half goals and at full time but we'll, talk, we'll come back to that anyway Jake Bidwell Jake Bidwell. Um, listen, before we go on, listen. I'm going to, I'm going to sort of, got to just lay this out here as well because Jake Bidwell did come in for a load of stick uh, at the game Saturday. To be fair, he was probably expecting it. Um, to be fair, also, I don't think he helped himself with the newspaper <laughs> interviews that he did just before the game because it kind of sort of set the stall out a little bit. People just sort of didn't hear, you know, Jake Bidwell saying that he had to move to a team that he had to prove to try and get into the team because he thought getting into the Brentford team was too easy. Um, just things like that. Whether or not he said that or not, or whether or not his words are twisted, that doesn't really matter because it's set up not really great. But also, he did also move across to QPR, and a lot of people aren't going to be very, very happy about that. And he kind of moved slightly silently when he left and maybe if when he left and he maybe had said something and said you know maybe he might have got a slightly better treatment but it doesn't really matter because he's a footballer and he's gone on and that's his job to be fair when he was at Brentford he's just a professional like I said he was always there first to training last to training he always used to just you know just do what he told he's even made the captain for us at the time because he was the, the utter um, professional he's moved on and uh, to be fair we believe that we've got the better deal out of it and um you know, on Saturday, I think I think that the proof was in the pudding, was it not? To get to get over a million pounds for him shows a really amazing bit of business. Uh, I I think I think he does deserve grief. Um, I think it's I think to go through go as club captain to your nearest rivals is not in, not inexcusable, but I think um, it's, it's, it, and it's, it's it's actually quite understandable. But I think you manage it's how you manage it and how an agent manages. He, he should have come out and just explained it and just said like loads of really glowing things about Brentford and and you know just kind of said it's an, it's a big opportunity for me to you know to <laughs> get more money basically. <laughs> um, you know Button's going to get the same grief on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can dispute that he obviously went to Rangers because he was probably getting double what he was getting at Brentford, and, and you know, and good luck to the guy because he's a professional footballer and that's that's what he's paid. Which but is which is true because uh, last week obviously we had um, lost the words on there. We had Carl lost the words, and he said, uh, you know, undoubtedly we pay big money. He goes, we've cut down a lot of our wage bill and you know, our, 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 our budget, but we still are big big pays. He said at QPR, so and that is a fact. Well, they're silly. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're advanced over. But he may also, Jake may well have seen the writing on the wall because you know he would not have got into this team this season. He would have been a regular on the bench, if that. You know, because Henry Rico, Rico Henry has been absolutely fantastic as a left back. I wouldn't swap 
anything in the world now to get Bidwell back. I like. I thought Bidwell was good for us. You know, he was the right player at the right time. We've moved on as a club. We moved on as a team. And you know, good luck to the guy. He's managed to double his wages. You know, if he's happy going to QPR, fine. I can't. You know, I, I get very. I mean, I'm in two minds about booing players, and in the end, I re- very rarely do boo players because you know, it is a short career. If they choose that they don't want to play for Brentford, good luck to them. Off they go, you know, because I'm pretty confident that we'll replace them with better players. Yeah, I, I, and same as Nick, I thought when Bidwell played for us, he was he was a very good player. He, you know, he, he helped us a lot. But I think watching on Saturday, we saw how far we've come as a club, and I think that was the thing that was most heartwarming for me. Not how far we've come as a club that we booed him and abused him and everything like that, but the, how far we've come as a club that... I think even Tom Field has, has more to his game than Bidwell. I think you, you saw how one-dimensional Bidwell was as a player. And that's not a criticism. That's who he is. That's, that's what he did. he did. He did that brilliantly for Brentford. But he, he gets into that final third, and he, I didn't think he was very strong. I think now that we've got Tom Field, Rico Henry, much more complete players. We can't have it both ways, to be honest with you. We can't. What, what, are we, what, are we, you know, what are we hoping for? We don't want him back. That's clearly we don't want him back. So what are we moaning about? You know, I think we can. I think we can slag him off a bit, um, but just kind of just let him go because like, a million and a half or whatever we got for him, we, you know, that money's that, more, that money's more valuable than he is as a player. And Rico Henry and, and Field, you're right. You know, they've got more potential. We, a lot of people said very frequently that we can't go any further with him as, as left back. He's 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 a solid player and he's a very good player. He's better than any of us. And um, you know, and but he's probably he's a championship player at the most. If we're if we're building a team or a squad for the Prem, um, then he's he, he he maxed out. He reached his ceiling at Brentford. Um, you know, going to QPR, he's on the decline already. Speak for yourself about how good a player he is, Dave. But I mean, the more importantly is that I wonder how intelligent a footballer he is. Not how intelligent a person, but how intelligent a footballer. Because actually, what he should have been saying to Holloway is that, listen, let me have the ball, and I'll bomb down, I'll bomb down the left and cross balls rapid, rapidly into the centre, and that will cause Brentford problems. Because that's actually Bidwell. He was good. He was a good crosser of the ball. He used to do that for us, you know, yeah, back, t- back in the day. And what if he, if he'd been intelligent, he would have been knocking been on the manager's door saying. This but way, do that, and could have got to but the But then Yotta would have sat over there and just actually took the, you know, he took the piss as it was. Let alone if, if Bidwell was AWOL up halfway up the blooming wing, he had to he had to sit tight and do the best he could. And you know, he barely coped. And you know, we we said we said um, in the tweet after the last week's podcast, I said the post the post podcast chat is Bidwell Bidwell versus Yotta and Clark, and we were like laughing about it. And, and what happened? Yotta, he absolutely annihilated him twice. Um, you know, and, and every time he got the ball, he was he was petrified. I think the the, fun, the the funniest thing out of all of this is that if if Bidwell had stayed at Brentford, the competition that he so badly wanted, he would now have in abundance, and he would be probably you know facing the toughest competition that he's ever had in his career with Field and with Rico Henry, and I, you know. On the showing on Saturday, he would come out third best, but that's life. If he'd have stayed, he would be holding us back. You know, at, at the moment, we, as, as I keep saying, he's got we've got a, a decent wage for him, a decent um, transfer fee for him, and it's allowed two younger, more promising players to come through. They're the ones that will either go on for huge money, or they will help Brentford go to that next level. 
It'd be interesting to see what it's interesting to see what Rangers do next year with them. I mean, do do next year with their team actually, very underperforming team, paying high wages. Billy, Billy, who, who would you rather have in the team, Bidwell, Henry, on, um, Henry or um, or um, the field? I mean, at the moment now, it's going to be hundred percent. It's going to be Henry. Um, and the main reason why is just because he's got the most experience out of between him and Field. I think Field's absolutely fantastic and he's a great uh, prospect and he's coming through. And the thing about it is that the fact that the two could maybe swap the roles between the two, that's great. But Henry, I'm percent you know, the fact is you've got to remember he has not played for a year. He's been out injured, he's been, you know, hospitalised, he's been out for a year. So he's only back into training. He hasn't had a full pre-season like all these other players now. And he's started to get into the game. When he gets a pre-season, he's going to come back. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Steady on, steady on. <coughs> so I'm, just, I'm just laughing. I'm laughing at these characters in the corner there. You but, got something um, stuck in your throat, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, certainly not me. But anyway, let's move on from that. So Tom, Tom Field, but, um, but uh, Rico Henry, 100%. I think it's really great. But listen, let's just be moving on in the QPR conversation still. Ian Holloway. I know that like, you sort of say, oh yeah, he don't know, he's a joker. But you know, we got to talk about Holloway. We talked about him quite a lot last week in the pre. Uh, match podcasts with Loft for Words and we talked about Holloway and you know is he good is he bad is he bringing QPR to another level is he a joker we obviously had the situation like you said where before the match Holloway tipped us for relegation I think he tipped us in 22nd place uh, for relegation when he's at Sky and uh, I think his words he said that Brentford are regressing Mark Warburton got them punching above their weight they haven't replaced Andre Gray and Alan, uh, and Alan Judge and we're missing and Alan Judge will be missing for the start of the season. They could be in trouble. At the time, we laughed at him. We said, you haven't done your research. You don't know anything. Holloway, what are you talking about? Um, he has very much come to eat his words. What I will say, though, it's very interesting because, obviously, we smashed them off the park. And um, Holloway, he, um, he just said, you know, he, he kind of sort of went back on his words a little bit to Brentford. And, uh, you know, what he said about Brentford was actually very complimentary even though apparently we had somebody in the press room who said he actually said it with gritted teeth. So after the match, Holloway said, Brentford have a brilliant way of playing and a great scouting network, so well done to them. So, you know, it's interesting, you've got the two sides of Holloway then, but he's actually, a, interesting, you've got another manager who, to be fair, he's obviously a little bit jealous or not happy about Brentford, something like that, but he actually admitted we've got a great scouting network, which is an interesting point because... We've been slagged off for our scouting network. We've been slagged off about the way we go about doing things. We've got a manager who hates us, who got smashed up by us, and actually has had to admit we've got a great scouting network. Now, now, how does that go? I mean, how does that pan out, Liberal? It doesn't work. I mean, Holloway is yesterday's man. I mean, and I, I equate the QPR appointing uh, Ian Holloway with Birmingham City bringing in Ari Redknapp, you know. I mean, these clubs who think they are bigger than they are go for st- what they think are star names. It's almost you want to appoint people so that you can get as many media hits as, as you want, as you can. People will know that Holloway will give good copy. People know that Harry Redknapp gives good copy. If you look at the championship table as it stands, the, you know, the managers who have done well, you've got Chris Hooten at Brighton, bright young manager. I mean, Rafa Benitez is not a bright young manager, but Rafa Benitez actually doesn't come out and make very controversial statements. He does, a, he does his job, and he's a bloody good manager. Huddersfield Town, Matt Wagner. Uh, Reading, you've got, you know, Yapstam making his way. Sheffield Wednesday, you've got, you know, good examples of younger managers. The teams, if they go for names, they're going to get found out. And this is where I'm going to get pelters from people because of course Dean Smith isn't a name 
what you find in life is if people intentionally just talk rubbish and they try to be controversial and just come up with gobbledygook and talk shit they end up making it onto the besotted podcast they end up having to apologise <laughs> so like that so you know you, 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 you can try you can try and be you know all, all he is is we said last week he's a, he's a West Country caricature um, not Nick um, Ian Holloway um, and you know, I am too yeah Holloway, as you said, is, 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 he, we said we said last week. A QPR fan said last week, no other team in the country would have employed him. Um, so QPR have just because he was in Holloway and he had some history there. He is yesterday's news. I think the comment he made about the scouting network is probably more of a dig at his own scouting network at QPR rather than praise for us. I think he's probably out fishing for you know for a bit more funding for for players, hoping that he'll get a bit, a bit more money in the summer, but. I agree. I, I think he's he's an interesting character. There's there's if you do a bit of digging, there's actually a lot of the time when he dishes out his his memorable quotes. There's a lot of actually backstory behind that kind of stuff, which is quite interesting. I actually urge people to go and have a look at that because it actually makes for some interesting reading. But I yeah, it, it's straight. so. What do you think the backstory is to this quote that he he had with us and and the original quote when he thought that we were rubbish? Well, he was wrong. He's an idiot. But. Um, <laughs> But no, no, no. In in all seriousness, they are, they have times when he's he's said funny things to cover up and, and help his players out. A little bit of the Mourinho factor, where he deliberately draws attention onto himself to do detract from his players. I'm just wondering as well. And again, I'm, I'm asking the question because you know about that. It was at a time because obviously Warburton left, and then we had all sorts of going on. And, and and there was a load of players that were on the. Oh, Uwe Rosa left. I could. I bet you he was on the list as maybe one of the people that applied for the job. Was that around about that time because he went there, then he had the Millwall job that he went to. So I'm sure he was probably in the mixer again. And maybe there's one of the things where he's got the, the gripe because he maybe got turned down. So he's, you know, he's got something against us because of that. Maybe. Yeah, possibly, possibly. You know, and don't get me wrong. You know, we're, 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 I'm a big advocate for humour being in football too. And you know, it's, it's really refreshing when you know there's so many really boring managers like you know Mourinho and. Ferguson and you know um, Van Hal and just like miserable, miserable. And it's nice to see a bit of humour and some spark and personality come through. You know, so I'm not, I'm not slagging him off for being colourful. Um, and but it normally only works when you're winning. If you're winning and, and, and you and you can not be dull, you know, like you know, he, he enjoys his job. He, he, he clearly is a really, really good character in the game. And, and, and football would be weaker and, and and duller without him. But you can't. He ends up being a bit of a clown when you're losing and trying to trying to be funny. You sometimes you just need to be serious, and, and he, he seems to have got the mix wrong. I was just trying to think while you were saying that, Dave. I was just trying to think if there was any manager around nowadays who is successful, but also is you know good with a quip and you know is is friendly with the media and is good for a laugh when the Sky News cameras turn up. And actually, thinking about it, at the top of the Premiership, there isn't anybody left there now. I mean, probably, perhaps the last one was Ranieri at Leicester. And look what happened to Ranieri. You know, when it all went wrong, he... he Pulis, Pulis sometimes. 
Is he? Yeah, but he's pretty. He comes across pretty as a miserable guy. He comes across just as miserable as Mourinho. I mean, Chris was exactly right about Mourinho. Mourinho comes out with controversial statements to take off the fact when this team is playing playing badly. Um, but no, I genuinely cannot. I suppose Klopp is the only one. And actually, whether Klopp is doing the job for Liverpool, they expected. Klopp, you who, could have. Klopp, a, who was linked with the Brentford job? Yeah, you could have an interesting discussion about Klopp for many a night about whether he's you know actually doing a good job at Liverpool. Indeed, and we'll we'll say that for another night because we've got other things to talk about tonight like I said but the QPR game we're going back and we're going to dine out of this on the whole of summer in the summer we'll be going out in Brentford pubs all over the place what was the score Bill? Uh, I think it was Brentford 3 QPR one. It's talk- I'm, I'm, re- I'm really confused because you keep on saying that QPR won and I thought that Brentford won. Um, I can't remember, but I'm sure you'll enlighten me. Let's talk about John Terry. Um, he's, he's anyway, anyway, we'll move on from that anyway. So, listen, um, so, <laughs> listen we've had a good conversation here let's keep it on the on the upper QPR game absolutely fantastic like I said we'll be dining out all over summer all over London in the beer gardens and in the food halls and in the places to drink and everything like that we'll be talking about that game and many other things and looking forward to next season hopefully where we'll be playing QPR yet again and I can guarantee you 100% QPR won't be looking forward to playing us next season and we, I can say that with a smile on my face so B's up but guess who's down? We don't know who's down, so we're still looking at the league table. We're looking at the fixtures. We're looking to find out exactly what is going on over the next couple of weeks. Who's going to be with us next season so we know exactly who we're playing? And who is also going down from this division down to Division 1? And also who's coming up from Division 1? I saw, um, talking about going down, Bill... Um, I saw a very interesting video on YouTube today. All right, we can we, listen, we won't, listen, we move on from that anyway, because... Um, What's more important is like who Brentford are playing next season. Absolutely crucial information that because we need to plan our days out. We need to plan what's going on. We need to have the away days. So, I mean, let's just talk about our division at the moment now. Who's going to be still up there? Who's going to be going up to the to the Premier League? Crumble, Chris. You've been looking at that, haven't you? I've been looking at it, and I think in terms of the playoffs, I think Huddersfield are already there. Um, what's really interesting is that we can really, really, really piss all over the Fulham promotion party it's you know we beat them and they have to go to Wednesday on the last game of the season Wednesday also looking for the playoffs I mean I think it's it's tough I think Wednesday are already in the playoffs aren't they they're guaranteed they are in the playoffs but I think you know the incentive for them will be to win that last game as well I think it's we can really 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 screw over Fulham here I think it's Leeds Leeds are just outside the playoffs they're three points outside the playoffs at the moment they have to go to Norwich and not get beat. That's all they have to do, not get beat. They then they have Wigan on the last day of the season. I would expect Leeds to win that game. That's four points, and they're three points behind Fulham at the moment. If we beat Fulham, Leeds get a point against Norwich. They're two points behind going into that final game, that final weekend, and we all know how Fulham love, love to choke on the big occasion. Um... You know, I know Dave before the pod, Dave was talking about other people choking, but I think this is all going to be about Fulham, and I think it's it's going to be a really really interesting fortnight. It's going to be an interesting fortnight, but I mean, what I'm going to say is interesting. We're talking about the playoffs here now as well, and the fact is that Fulham. I mean, I've heard from a lot of people they said that Fulham have been playing very 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 well indeed. Their last game, I think they won. I can't remember by quite a load of goals, and they've been playing very very well. But obviously, Fulham are on that up, and they're on that sort of latent trajectory just coming into the playoffs very late and normally you get the scenario we've seen it many times with Brentford you know the team that finishes sixth 
but comes in on a bit of a momentum is the team that normally kind of wins. That time we played Huddersfield, they were sixth that time that we played them, and we were like, you know, we were flying high, or they were fifth actually at the time, and we were second, if I remember rightly. And they're the ones that end up getting to the final and tears and everything like that from the Brentford end. So I think that's slightly unfair. And I want to sort of draw my experience back to, as we call it, sort of the National League, the lower leagues as well. As you know, I go to Hamlet a lot, and they've got their playoff on Thursday. But the fact is that I think they do it a really brilliant way. Um, the fact is that Hamlet finished third and the team that they're playing they're playing infield uh, they finish fourth so because they finish above them Hamlet have got there's a one leg playoff and they're playing them at home they get the home advantage and I think that's really fair and I think now in these playoffs now we've got you know Fulham who are finishing possibly going to finish sixth but they get a two-legged playoff and the question I also ask is that Sheffield Wednesday there's a question that they may if they you know that they, they may do whatever they do this weekend but the last weekend they're playing Fulham they may decide to rest a load of players for the playoffs which is an unfair advantage because they think we're in the playoffs anyway we've got a two-leg playoff whereas if they had to finish higher if they had to finish you know third or second or third or fourth to get a home league um, place they would actually go full guns at the very end and I think there's a real case for having the playoffs one league playoff with because there's no advantage once you're in the playoffs it's like you know whoever whoever goes but I think you know there should be some advantage finishing higher I, I, I completely agree with what you're saying Bill and I think there should be some kind of reward for finishing higher in the league but in this case I can guarantee that Sheffield Wednesday will not want to finish sixth they will not want to play Huddersfield in the playoffs. They will not want a Yorkshire derby in those two games. So I think, yeah, agree. I think there should be some kind of incentive for between finishing third, finishing sixth. But whether that's a one-leg game at home, I'm not so sure. Sheffield Wednesday, they they lost in the playoffs last season. Um, they they've got a lot of experience. Normally, you think, oh, they're jinx, but I actually think their their experiences from from last year will help them in their, in their promotion push. They they had a magnificent win over Brighton, didn't they? Um, and I, I still remember the atmosphere at Hillsborough watching it on telly. It was just like one of those really electric nights. Um, I wish I wish I'd been there to be honest. I, I just you know, and, and all the Sheff- our Sheffield Wednesday chums, they just said it was just a really really intense atmosphere. So you know, I, I, I've got. A, I think Sheffield Wednesday are vulnerable. Uh, you know, they, they we beat them at we beat them at Hillsborough, so we probably contributed to them not going straight up. So uh, I, I just I just really hope that Leeds can get in there at the expense of Fulham. The key the key to playoff success is going in there with momentum. And if you're in the habit of losing games, if you're resting players, if you're you know not taking it seriously, you will get found out and you'll get burnt up. Because you look at the past history, momentum is the key to this, and that's why I agree with Chris. We can really f Fulham season about if we beat them at the weekend. But on that issue of momentum, and sorry to bring us down to down to ground. Um, Fulham have all the momentum. Leeds don't. Leeds have lost three or four, or not one in three or four. So, just sorry to put a downer on it, but that's those are the facts. So I'm coming back to momentum as well because we're also going to talk about the relegation struggles in this league as well. And uh, there's, there's, a, there's a momentum struggle in the fact that the team that we played last week of when I've QPR, I think they've lost six games in a row, and they're in the middle of a relegation battle. They probably won't go down themselves. They've probably got sort of maybe one point too many to not go down, but they're caught in a relegation struggle themselves because they're playing a team who's in a relegation struggle. But with that kind of run, maybe that may go against them. It may go for them. Nick, I know you're looking at this relegation scrap, aren't you? There is a massive six-pointer game on Saturday where Forest play are away at QPR, and that will be a real. Forest are currently on 48 points. QPR are on 50 points, and you know, get. 
Forest win that game, Warburton turns over turns over Ian Holloway, and then QPR I think are back into the mix. I mean, the other uh, Birmingham are playing Huddersfield on Saturday, and then their final game of the season is away at Bristol City. Blackburn Rovers they are playing us on the final game of the season. I can't read my own handwriting, so I can't remember who they're playing on Saturday. Um, but I would have thought that you know. If, if I were a gambling man, I don't think that Harry Redknapp is going to pick up his bonus for keeping Birmingham City up. So that, that QPR Fulham, um, the QPR Forest game, that could be one of those circumstances that a team with more than a team that goes down over 50. And today I saw a video with someone that went down and they were over 60. Anyway, we should move on from this anyway. So anyway, so listen to the Liberals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just coming back to Blackburn are playing. Blackburn are playing Aston Villa on Saturday. Sorry, that's how I can. That's my handwriting. I couldn't read. Villa don't have anything to do. So Blackburn, you know, will be all out to win that game. So, you know, Forest win at QPR. Blackburn, Blackburn turn turnover Villa on Saturday. There could be some really interesting West Lock. We could be we could be involved in ending two clubs seasons this Saturday and the following Sunday we could and also you say that because Birmingham they seem to have the toughest running out of them as well don't they yeah they do Birmingham have got Huddersfield at home this weekend and have got Bristol City away as I said I, I'm, I, although I think we've got an influence about it I just don't think Harry Redknapp will be picking up his bonus for keeping Birmingham up I think they're down ok and looking at the teams who, who may be playing us next season as well there's a bit of a tussle going on in Division 1 obviously our chums at Sheffield United we're looking forward to going back there again um, to be fair, every time we go to Sheffield, we see them anyway. They always meet us at the station, have some good drinks, and we do really like going to Sheffield United. It's only around it's a 10-minute walk from the station. They've got some really good pubs around there, and it's a really good laugh. So I'm looking forward to going to Sheffield United next season as well. But other than Sheffield United, there's a few other teams that are coming up. And Laney, I know you've been looking at that yourself, haven't you? Yeah, well, we're, we're properly chummed up, aren't we, in Sheffield? Yes. Um, well, yeah, so Bolton... Bolton and Fleetwood, they're, they're the two teams that can make the second automatic um, promotion berth. Um, I'm just wondering how close is it between those two, because at one time it looked like Bolton was steaming it and they're going to be having it, but um, it, it's looking a little bit tighter now, isn't it? Yeah, they're both in Lancashire, so they're quite close. Yes. Um, so, yeah, well, Bolton, but it's, it's, you know, it's Bolton's there to lose, um, but um, Bolton, Bolton have got the most difficult game. They've got, they're, they're, they've got, they've got Peterborough, Fleetwood have got Port Vale. Port Vale sh- probably, uh, you know, they're, they're virtually down. So um, and there's only one point separating the two as well, though, isn't there? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, so Fleetwood got 81. Point, uh, yeah, there's one point, and but but Bolton have got a massively superior goal difference. So you know, it's, it's, it's like a, an eight an eight goal difference there. So it's, so who have Bolton got on Saturday? So Bolton have got Peterborough. Which again, it's no, you know, Peterborough right mid-table, but you know, we know Peterborough, you know, are capable. Um, and then Fleetwood have got Port Vale. Um, Port Vale, are, are, well, they're almost. almost, yeah, they're 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 down there. So it's between, it's, you know, they 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 could they could be. Oh, I think they could be down already, but um, so it's uh, Uwe Rosler could be joining us next year, or Uwe Rosler, the Fleetwood manager. Um, we, we could there could be a, another reuniting since um, the first the first Brentford Uve game since Ellen Road last year. And the thing is, I mean, obviously because we're again we we'll talk about this a little bit later, but fingers crossed that Bolton um, don't tuck in there as well because we don't want to go back there to be quite Um But on the on the playoff front, who, who, who are we looking at as well? The playoffs, well, you know, the playoffs we've got Scunthorpe, 
Um, Fleetwood's still in there as well, obviously, yeah. at the moment. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's going to be Bolton, Bolton or Fleetwood, Scunthorpe, Bradford City, and then it's Millwall or Southend. And I say Millwall or Southend, Millwall are three points ahead, but they've got an inferior goal difference. So if Millwall, if Millwall lose and, and South and Southend win, Rochdale possibly, but you know they've, they've got, their goal difference is pretty awful. So you know, it, I, if you know, as a better man, which I'm not. Um, which Joey Barton is um, <laughs> yeah. apparently, apparently allegedly no no actually not allegedly no so I'd say I'd say it's between Mill and Shaf and um, who's, who's, who can say so you know I, I'd prefer to go to Roots Hall again than back to the uh, back to uh, the, new den. the new den which I think is shocking so I'm going to ask you I mean, Mill are a proper club yeah apparently the proper club but listen we're going to go around the table here guys as well because obviously we're looking at our fixtures next season we're looking at our way days we're looking at our laughs our jokes coming down there we're looking at who we could chum up with next season as well so <laughs> pedigree uh, yes that's right pedigree chum now, I'm just going to say God, who are you looking to disappear in the league so who, who you want to go you want to get promoted from the championship this season who do you want to get really relegated from the championship this, this season and who do you want to get promoted from division one in the you know, I think it's Shiver Night but who do you want to get promoted from division one in the uh, in the playoffs and in the automatic well I've no love lost for, for Wigan or, or Blackburn or so they they, they can go um, which one You've just got the only one Blackburn um, yeah I what what do they do? What do they bring to the What's table? Surface. What's, what purpose do they serve? Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> Lots no. of chicken nuggets. No, I, I, um, chicken to, and bean pies. To, to come up, I, I I'd love to go. Uh, well, I mean, I, I've been to the been to the new den a couple of times. I would love, uh, you know, to, to fire up that good good old London East West London rivalry. I think that'd be good fun. Fun in inverted commas there. Um, but also also Bradford. Um, I you know. The romantic in me would like to see Bradford slowly climb their way back up, you know, up the football pyramid. Um, and that, you know, Bradford's a fun day out. Um, you know, lived up that, that part of the world for a long time, so I, I like it. I like it. The liberal. I want Birmingham to go down because I think I, they're 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 just a badly run club and they deserve to go down. And you know, they are everything that's wrong with modern football at the moment. Birmingham, what they've done. Um, you know, the, the appointment of Zola was stupid. The appointment of Redknapp was even worse. Their new owner is, you know, not interested in football, thought he was going to have it easy. And Birmingham itself, well, it's quite a nice day out, you know. They're, they're, they're a club who think they're bigger than they are, and they, 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 need, to, they need to learn a bit of contrition con, con by being in the yeah, Division 1 for a year. Going up, I, I actually quite fancy Fleetwood Town, and the, the, the romantic in me says because it's one of those places that you don't actually think about and actually it's a bit like Burton they're a small club good luck on them if they manage to get to the championship and actually it'd probably be one of those days where you have a really good day out you could combine it with a long weekend in Blackpool and you've got to give another one that league because obviously there's two places still up for, for promotion yeah South End because I like going down the sea I haven't had a few cockles for a while and who would you like to get rid of in the promotion I'm not certain. Who do you, who, who do you feel, feel you want to get? Who do you want to go up from, up from the championship? Up from the championship? Yeah. Oh, uh, I, w- I would like to see Reading go. Oh. I'll, t- I'll tell you has, who has had a few cockles recently. Anyway, this is going to go on. Cromwell Chris, who did you want to go up from the championship, by the way? Uh, I think Millwall or Bradford. But no, from the championship. I'll go up from the championship. Yeah. Um, not Fulham. No, but who do you want to go up? 
what team do you not want to play next season? Um, uh, Huddersfield. I'm not disagreeing. You've got, you got to give, tell him what to say. He's, told, he's, he's made his decision. I'm, I'm not saying it, it's not a good day out, but of the teams that are in there, everyone else has had a crack at the Premier League. I'd like to see them have a go. Yeah, but the reason I, the reason I say Reading is because Reading is a shit day out yeah, means, in all sorts of ways. So I want to get rid of them. Yeah, I want to get rid of them. Well, yeah, but I don't want them to go down. Anyway, we're no, not no, play, no, 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 you're on. not playing this game right. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> my, you, my, my John Terry innuendo. No, listen, no, 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 I've not been able to say who okay. I want to come up. You've denied me. Okay, go on then. If there is hold a culture a of bullying on this podcast. Yeah, that's true, actually, yeah, sorry. So, so anyway, But you will, have to behave yourself. I will behave myself. So, so, I would like to come up from League One... Fleetwood, a team like Fleetwood to come up with teams like Burton, teams like Brentford, and I would like Bradford City. Okay, oh, that's cool. And so also, who do you have to be rude? No, no, no. And who would you like to go down from uh, the, um, the, the, our, our league? Um, Blackburn Rovers. Okay, and who would you like to get promoted from our league? Uh, no one. No, no, but you have to. Um, probably Huddersfield, just just because. Just they deserve it. It's inspiring. Uh, I don't. I don't really want to see Reading go. They don't deserve it. Um, I like to see them blow out next year. Um, you know. And um, yeah, it wasn't too hard, was it? Well, I told you, tell you it was hard earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, I'm going to say for for the promotion side of things, for me again, it's definitely Fleetwood. I don't want Bolton nowhere near that. Let's go to Fleetwood, have a little bit of a laugh, bit of a weekend there as well. I strip my strip my, my teams not on skill or basis of the skill, how team how skilled the team are. It's basically on an away day, and also Bradford City, which is an absolutely fantastic away day. Those are the two teams that I want to go up from Division One. And for me to go down. I have to say it's Blackburn Rovers because I just was so depressed when I get there again this season. I just thought, not again, even though Birmingham is really terrible, but Birmingham's only an hour and a half. You get there easy on the train and we do have a good laugh when we go there for a bit of cocktail action in the old, uh, in the old, um, you know, in the restaurant. So we do have a bit of a laugh the there. Bay, yeah. yeah, so we kind of take it over ourselves, but it is terrible away day, that one. Um, and a few people have said Nottingham Forest, but I'm just thinking it's too good an away day, Nottingham Forest, for, for them to go down. And to go up, this is a really difficult one because its problem is that we all are kind of like in spitting distance of these teams so we think mm, we could have done what you've done so it's a very very difficult choice for us to go oh Huddersfield oh Leeds oh Sheffield Wednesday oh all those lot there is, a, there is a, like, a little bit of jealousy there like the what if yeah. there's a what if there is and it is a real difficult one I suppose if any of those ones they're probably the team that I'd probably like I know I like all the teams, honestly. Do I? Um, no, the one that, you know, I'd say, okay, you go and enjoy yourself is Huddersfield Town. Because the Huddersfield Town guys, to be fair, they're actually kind of pretty down to earth. Had a bit of a laugh. And, you know, I shouldn't say that, but they'll probably be back with us in a couple of years' time. <laughs> anyway. Actually, serious point, doesn't it show you how close we actually are? If we're, if we're kind of a little bit envious of Huddersfield and a little bit envious of Sheffield Wednesday, doesn't that mean like we're not a million miles away? And Reading, I mean, I'm, I'm baffled. How the hell are they there? You know, we've, we've, we've played them off the park. They've let know? in about 140 goals this season, haven't they? Yeah, I, you know, and that's just from us. And um, so, yeah, yeah we, we are within spitting distance. We are within spitting distance. I'll tell you who doesn't spit. Is, um, no, no, anyway, Chris. And I think um, I think if Huddersfield were to go up, I think that would be the most inspiring because they are they they kind of taken on this this finding uncovered players, un- undiscovered players, playing football the right way. Um, you know the other teams there. So I think I think from from a footballing point of view, we want to see they, these up and coming teams, and I think that's really important is to see those teams with plenty of uh, gumption, plenty of you know spirit, and, and plenty you, of spunk. Anyway, listen, we're going to be moving on. Brentford, 
great season this sleeve. Players have had a great season, but we're going to talk about Brentford's Player of the Year. So we're coming up to the end of the season, and every season, as you know, Brentford have their Player of the Year. They have a Player of the Year award show, and they just award their... Oh, I've got awards for all sorts of Players of the Year. Player of the Year, uh, Player of the Year award show for Brentford um, at the Radisson in Heathrow. Sold out in a couple of days. It went bang. It's really gone. So no more tickets left for that. There are tickets still left not that many as well for our social which is the Sunday beforehand which is next Sunday which we'll talk about in a little bit with uh, all loads of XBs and I feel like that's going to be a riot laugh it's going to be a proper riot anyway like that but we'll talk about that a little bit later but we're going to come back to the player of the year awards and uh, we were just talking about this in the, in the break as we pull in a few pints of pride and everything like that and we're just sitting there they're sitting um, we're not doing the hottie of the year no we're not going to do hottie of the year because no, that's not really that we can leave that to the, the characters that's very good we're just going to deal with the sort of the, what's happening on the pitch in the player of the year. And we've been discussing this, thinking, you know, who is the player of the year? And uh, sometimes it's very easy because players sort of kind of come out of the blue and uh, and they do things. And, 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 and we have this whole thing that, you know, if you're actually sometimes trying to make a decision, as, as human beings, we're all in the short, short-term memory game as we are. So normally you remember the things that have happened more recently. So things that happened in the last week or two or three weeks. If you're asked to vote on something, you normally vote for that. And sometimes you can't cast your mind back to something else which has happened back in the day unless it's something that has been magnanimous. So it's quite difficult, this uh, Player of the Year thing. Maybe it's kind of quite fair if you do it, if you've got a kind of a weekly voting thing where people vote each week, week on week, where you can remember what's happened week on week. So sometimes people might do something brilliant at the beginning of the season and then they've just faded off a little bit, but they still get the props. But I'm going to go around the table here and just ask everybody, who was your player of the year? The Crumble Chris, I'm going to ask you first, mate. I think um, the success of this year, you have to look at, at what it's been based on. And it's been based on a player that hasn't played at this level before, uh, a player that kind of has just been signed, has just come into the championship, and that player is Dan Bentley. Um, he's made. He, mean he, he saves things with his hands, his feet, his face, his head. He's incredible, um, and he seems a genuinely nice bloke as well. But that's you know that that's not doesn't get factored into it. But I think his performances have been superb. He made a couple of good saves against QPR, even when it was nil nil. He made a several good saves throughout the season, and he's kind of held the team together. He, he kicks very well. He distributes the ball very well. He plays quickly when he has to. He holds on to it. I've, I've, standing on the eating road, you often get people sh- shouting at him to release the ball quickly. But often he's very clever and he, he holds on to the ball and calms play down. He's just he's been uh, a very very calming influence. Went button left. I mean, I, I can't remember where he went. Somewhere, I'm not really sure. Um, and I, I was a little bit worried about who would step in, but he's he stepped in. He's come up a division. And he's done so, so well. He feels part of the furniture. And when people talk about him genuinely being a prospect for England, I don't think that they're joking. I think he has enough talent to go there. And I, you know, I hope he stays with us for a year or two um, and then wish him all the best. I agree. Um, I think maybe maybe Man City might be in for him because they're they're looking for a replacement for Hart. So you know, no, seriously, I, I, I don't see I don't see why he why Bentley couldn't couldn't be on the bench for one of the top Premiership teams. The Liberal. 
you used the word magnanimous when you introduced this item, and so I'm. Oh, I don't know what it means. Well, I'm going to be magnanimous <laughs> uh, because my player of the season is going to be somebody who's been consistent and a constant member of the team pretty much right throughout the year. And I think that's what you have to remember. I mean, some people will be saying, why aren't we, you know, why aren't we choosing players that came in in January? I think you've got to look at the whole season as a whole. People who played all the games, or pretty much all the games, and therefore, I am going to say, and it always needs a drum roll, this. I'm, I'm going to say my player of the season is Harley Dean because I think he has grown as this season has gone on. I think that he has um, been a pretty much a rock at the back for us. Um, he's still learning, um, but in the, the particularly this half, the, the latter half of the season, watching him, it's like watching Franz Beckenbauer. I mean, some of those passes he is displaying, displaying out onto our wings for, for players like Yossa is really, really impressive. And I think, you know, he is somebody who's obviously benefited from the good coaching of Dean Smith and the other, uh, the other coaches that, that, that we have around. Um, and I'm, you know, I, I'm pleased. My worry is that I don't think, Har I think Harley Dean needs to play every week. Um, he's obviously an ambitious guy. Um, and, you know, he might be looking to think about whether he needs to step up. I'm not certain... I'm not certain he's a premiership defender. Um, I think if we were to get promoted, we would need to take a look. But given that he's had a, a different centre-back pairings throughout the course of the season as well, he's been the constant, and therefore I think he deserves a lot of credit. Hardy Dean is my player of the year. I was just to question your, your justification about whether he's a premiership defender. I think he, he almost looked weaker when he was at League One level, and he's come up to the Championship, and he looks stronger. He could be one of these players that... And the further he goes, the better he looks. You know, as much as I dislike the player, you have to look at someone like Harry Maguire who's at Hull. I remember when he was at Sheffield United in League One, he was awful. And now he's in the Premier League, and he's probably going to keep Hull up. Coaching, coaching, and coaching and experience does help that, though, to be fair. And, and look also at Alfie Mawson at Swansea. Alfie Mawson, who's done very well at Swansea, I think he's tailed off in the last couple of weeks. But 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 you know when we when Alfie Mawson played for us, none of us predicted that we would see him as a champ, uh, as a Premier League player. But we didn't we didn't see him play. Exactly. Well, and, and and another example of let's not pigeonhole players that they're allowed to evolve, they're allowed to get better, they're allowed to get worse as well sometimes. But you know young players which we 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 do recruit, we we don't we don't recruit old has-beens. Um, we, we've got young kids and they, they're on the learning curve and sometimes it takes one season, two seasons and they get better in three or four and Harley Dean, in, you're right, in the last few weeks he, he, looks, he looks every bit the premiership player so maybe like, like, let's forget his weaknesses if he's not, if he's not, if he's not weak anymore let's not, say, let's, let's not bang on about him being weak yeah. he, he used to be and now he's not yeah. That's interesting and that's very magnanimous of you a liberal nit because obviously you're his biggest critic and uh, probably also another sort of lesson to characters that maybe, as you can see, that people do learn and people do grow. And we're in the game now where basically, you know, it's a development game that we're in. And if we had loads of money, we'd buy these players who are ready from the start. But at the end of the day, we're not that rich, so we have to buy players and, and move and develop with them. I, I suspect there may well be a few players, a few teams sniffing around Harley in the summer, you know. But I would say, you know, let let let's let's command some big money for him because he deserves that, and he deserves the big money if he goes. Of course. And Laney, I mean, your player oh, of the year. The player of the year, really difficult. This one, Bill, really difficult. 
Um, I say that just because he hasn't been here the whole season shouldn't exclude him from being in contention. I think Yota has come back from a bar and you know again sorry to repeat myself but you know we 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 said weeks and weeks and weeks and months ago that to even dream of him coming back at one stage seemed to be a wasted dream to dream about him coming back and 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 be anywhere near as good as he was before he left was a wasted dream so for him to come back and be better than he ever was for Brentford seems to be fantasy land la la land um, so he's done that and I, I, I think that he has dragged Brentford up by the short and curlies. He has, by, he has demonstrated the levels that we have to achieve. We have to, we have to play, we have to play to Yota's strengths. We have to build our team about, around Yota. We need to trigger the extra year. And the reason I believe, I don't know, the reason we haven't announced it already is we're obviously ex- we're trying to talk about a, a longer deal than one year. So there's not, we're not going to trigger the one-year deal when we can announce a three-year deal. We won't ever keep, keep, we won't ever stand in the guy's way. But he, I'm sure, in my hearts of hearts, he will want to stay at Brentford for a long time. So Yota, Yota is my player of the year if it wasn't for Lasse Vibe. And Lasse Vibe, who has been here all year, and who now is playing in his natural position, I would give him the nod just purely because he's been here all season. And Lasse Vibe, you are an amazing fella. You've proved it. You're an intelligent guy. You're a credit to Brentford Football Club. You've, 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 you've taken the criticism um, and you've explained it. You weren't being played in your natural position and now you are. You're unselfish. You're um, dedicated. You never give anything less than 100% as far as I can see. That's if eBay, you get my Player of the Year award. Oh, yeah. Good shout. Going back to Yotta, um, he because he hasn't been with us, because he's only been with us half a season, I just wonder whether... He went below. He's gone below the radar since he's been back with us. And when teams work out that he is actually the person you need to shut down, you need to close down. He is pretty one-footed. I mean, you know, that, that bl- it's a bloody excellent one foot that he has, but he is a bit one one-footed. And if teams understand to push him out rather than let him come in, um, the opposing teams, whether that might dilute his process. So it'll be interesting to see how he starts off next season once teams have had half a season. To, uh, opposing teams. And we'll say, I mean, I mean, the argument to that as well could be that you know it's more than Hotter in the team. I mean, at the time we had Hotter, we had Pritchard, you know, we had Judge to a certain, you know, those players are doing the business. But now I think with the teams, we've got all sorts of players that are doing all sorts of nonsense, which is confusing them. So you know, you've got your Hotter, you've got you know your Collins, or you've got your um, 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 what's his name, uh, Clarkey. You've got your Clarkey on there as well. Barbe's doing his thing. You've got on the, you've got your Henry, you've got Joseph soon, you've got you know Canos, you've got all sorts of stuff. So the fact is it gives the opportunity for them to do Team. more and just looking at the you know as I say look at the stats from uh, th- from a couple of years ago when Hotter in the, play- the year we got to the playoffs and he played 39 games he played two like nearly 3,000 minutes okay and he scored 11 goals that season he had three assists he had about two two and a bit shots per goal and he had sort of two 1.3 dribbles per game this season 
he scored 17 um, he scored he's only started 17 games right he's played half the minutes that he played then as well he scored one more goal so he scored 12 goals as opposed to 11 he's got five assists as opposed to three then and he's got 2.4 shots per goal so he's shooting more per game and he's got pretty much the same amount of dribbles per game so he's kind of dribbling as much as he can do but he's shooting more so his game is basically improved so does that mean that the team around him has improved to enable him to do that does it mean he's improved as a player there's lots of questions out there but basically without a shadow of a doubt Hotter is a better player than he was in the in the year that we actually got up to the playoffs and that is saying something stats fact that is that yeah, is a fact and again you know those stats there that's that's the one individual player but I don't think I don't think I think that masks the influence he has on the players around him I think people you know he's a team player he's, he's certainly not an individual he's not an I am player he's not it's not all about him he doesn't scream there's no hissy fits there's no demanding of the ball and screaming at players when they don't pass to him he is an all-rounder he's, he's, he's a lovely lovely player to play with and what he's doing I think he's bringing the best out of um, Woodsy and he's bringing the best out of Sawyers he think he's bringing the best out of Josephson they, 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 they want to play as good as he is and they want to prove that they're as good they're, they're good enough to play in a team that Yacht is in Yacht, Yacht is a 15 million pound player at the moment and these players that are playing nearly as good as him, they're ten million pound players. Yeah, and I think to touch on something that Mick said, I think Dean Smith will be licking his lips knowing that teams are going to double up on Hotter next season. The way that we move the ball across the park, we move go from Hotter to Woods and then over to Joseph soon on the other flank. If they've got two defenders on Hotter on one side, there's a space on the other side, and that will suit us down to the ground. So Dean Smith will be licking his lips at that fact. Talking of licking the lips, I saw a Anyway, listen, I'm going to move on to my choice as well because um, I've got to go for Ryan Woods. Woodsy, you know, it's hard to believe he's not Skulls. Um, I'm trying to work out whether or not he's, he's not actually been totally and 100% ever present, but he's already played 45 games this season. We've got two games to go, which means it's 47 games this season. We've obviously played League Cup against Exeter, which he did play in. We've got the Chelsea game, we've got the other FA Cup game as well that he played in. So he must have, you know, said to, he, he must have missed out, maybe missed out on the game from yellow cards because he's actually had, was it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven yellow cards? I think it is this season. So he's seven, seven yellow cards this season, which you know shows how committed he is. But Ryan Woods obviously came in last season, good player, still green. Tactically, you know, still had to work out a few things. But he's one of these players who's grown with the game, grown with the team, and look. Interestingly, some people sort of give him criticism. They don't understand why people are rating him so highly. But the fact is that, again, he's a very young player. And yes, people do make mistakes. Yes, there's some games where he's not on his game. Some games where he gives the ball away. Some games where he's not there. And the interesting thing is when Woodsy's not there, you really do notice. But when Woodsy is on his game, he is brilliant and he's absolutely fantastic. He's commanding that midfield. He's running. He's tracking back. He's doing all the things that you really want him to do. And for me, Woodsy... It's really almost sort of a bit of a pride because I know he came from Shrewsbury, which means that he, and you notice I say Shrewsbury, not Shrewsbury, because my son lives there at the moment now, and I know that's exactly the right thing to say. Shrewsbury is where he comes from, where he played for them. And uh, he's, but I, he feels like he's a homegrown Brentford player. He feels like he's one of us, and he's growing with us, and I feel proud of that as because we've seen him when he's come to us being green. He's getting bigger and he's getting better. And next season, fingers crossed that he will be staying with us. I'm sure he'll be staying with us. He'll be better as well. And like I said to you, if this side stays together, we've got a load of players who are just growing with us. And I'm very proud to have Woodsy in our side. And it's really great to see him and the way that he's played. And I hope next season he has the season of his life. For me, Woodsy is the player of the year. I just want to... I'd hate this conversation to go by without mentioning another player, which is actually Josh Clark. 
and when he came on against QPR I had a bit of a conversation with a, a few of the, the fans that stand around me and it was almost a given that Clark was going to come on and he was going to cause absolute havoc amongst the QPR defence and I think that's telling of a player that's come on so quickly in the space of half a season almost you know barely half a season and I think he deserves I'm not saying he should be our player of the season but he deserves an immense so amount of praise is this, is this we're going into most improved or or or, 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 or kind of like young player of young the player year. young player of the year that yeah young player of the year I reckon Clark is is well up there I would agree with Chris yeah, yeah. I just I just think but you know before the season starts when um he was talking about breaking in the first team squad and people weren't sure was he going to play striker, was he going to play right wing, was he going to play right back. But the, the guy, and he, he plays football with a smile on his face and it's and he, he plays it well and he, he plays it hard and fast and I think he's he's an asset to the club as well and I think he's he's done brilliantly uh, every opportunity he's had and it almost, and like I said, to, to the QPR game where it was a given that he was going to come on and you just you just knew he was going to cause trouble and I think he's a credit, credit to him getting his head down and, and working really, really hard. Head down. Tom Field, um, I, I, I think these these calling out here as well because um, you know he, he, he hasn't really done anything wrong. He, he's done nothing wrong not to be included in this team. It's just that you know Rico Henry's there, and you know it, it's it's a football decision. I think he's had a really, really good first season. Um, he, he's only he's only great things to come from him. Uh, I also think. Um, Konstantin Kirschbaumer is another one. He's, he's not going to win any awards. Don't get me wrong, but he's proved after sitting on the bench all season what a what a, um, a worthy and what a useful squad member he is. Um, and another player, I think, is Sawyer's. I think he's sorry. Sorry, I know. I know Nick was putting his finger. I didn't know what he was going to say, but Sawyer's again is is emerging. Um, you know, a lot of people are going, "Oh, what are you on about?" But you know, I, I get, I get it sometimes. I get, I get why people don't see what he's capable of. But kind of like forget, forget the early performances. Look at what how he's playing now, and then look at what the potential is for next season. He, you know, he, you've got to let players bed in, and, and I think that's something we've learned about uh, for a long time, long, long time now. And just one thing I'm going to say as well, I mean, I'm going to bring another category into it because we've all talked about our player of the year, which is all very interesting. And we'll see what happens at the Brentford Awards in a couple of weeks' time. Who exactly gets the player of the year? But let's add another little category in there. The player who really, adds, when I say adds to the side, but it brings, it just brings a sparkle to the side. It actually kind of just, you know, that player in the side just brings another dimension to Brentford. Whether or not it's from goal scoring, whether or not it's from the enthusiasm, whether or not it's from saving goals, whether or not it's from doing little skills on the wing. A player that just adds something to Brentford, you think, oh my God, this person that side has really taken Brentford to another level. The Crumble Chris? Uh, Got to be Johan Barbe. Um, the, the, the things that man does to a football, uh, he, he just seems so confident to play 50, 50 yard passes across the pitch and not give it two seconds thought. And the fact that they, 99% of the time, they reach their destination as well. Uh, he just, he seems, you, so often you, we talk about um, players coming into the uh, you know players coming to the championship or, or below and taking time to really get bed in and get stuck in and it almost seems like he's you know he, it was made for him and I'm, I'm so pleased that he's taken to it so quickly and he's he just seems to be loving it and I I, I really really hope um, him and Harley get a good good run in the team uh, next season 
And it's interesting you talk about Barbe as well because Barbe did that brilliant cross across to Hotter to <laughs> take it over Bidwell's head, run around him, score a goal. But everyone forgets as well, a lot of people forget that last season, Barbe did the same thing when he did the brilliant crossfield ball at Preston to Alan Judge, who did pretty much the same sort of thing, came around and scores a fantastic goal, which has probably been forgotten in the goals of the season or anything like that as well. So Barbe, the ability to do the Beckham-esque sort of 60-yard crossfield pass, pinpoint to another player. Who taught him? Who taught him that? Dean or did Barbe t- teach Harley? Um, but going back to uh, going back to uh, uh, under your criteria, there is only one player, and that's what David has already mentioned. His name is Sawyer's is the player. I mean, some of those balls that Sawyer's has played through for our attackers to to come onto have been obscene in their brilliance, absolutely obscene in their brilliance. And I can only see Sawyer's getting better and better. And I, you know, he, he reduces me to orgasmic delight sometimes. So a romantic with orgasmic delights. Interesting, the liberal. I'll save my pun about that until after this. But I, my serious point is um, Florian Josephson. I, I would say um, whenever he comes on, stuff happens. He he's a, a proper impact sub. There's probably more to his game than that. But the way he's been playing at the moment, look at his pedigree: Ajax, PSV. Brentford, three names that three three club names that are synonymous with European champions. <laughs> he's also played for the Dutch under 19s and under and under 21s. He he's, he's got the pedigree there. He's got the pedigree to, to play at the top flight of Brentford. Um, I, 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 you know, young players with potential, maybe not no awards. You know, again, Barbe, what a player. I think it's, what I really really wish that we we, we keep in mind is that. A lot of these players are playing their first season in the Championship, and it, you know you watch Premier League football, and you always hear about how it takes a European player a year to bed in, or a foreign player a year to bed into the speed of the Premier League. And you, then you listen to interviews that our players do, and they say the Championship is such a step up in terms of speed. And I think we really, even from League One to the Championship, the, the pace of the game is so different. And I think for players like Sawyer's for players like Woods, for players like Joseph Soon, players like Barbe, to be able to come into this team and place you know, so well within a season, and they don't even need a whole season to get used to it, they're already playing well, is testament to them and also testament to the coaching team as, around them as well. So, you know, hats off to everyone involved. And for me, again, it's all about vibes. And for me, I'm talking about somebody who just kind of lights up the team because I think it's really important I mean there's two players I think that do that there's lots of players that do that at the moment now Hotter's one obviously he does just because they're all around the place as well but I think Sergi Canos Sergi Canos is coming to the side and what he's done is just lifted everything his enthusiasm I mean he's playing great football as well he's still got a lot to learn we said this from beforehand but him just being in the side you feel that he's lifted the crowd he's lifted his teammates he's lifted the players he's lifted the coaching staff he's lifted the expectation not the expectation but just the vibe and I just think that having people in this side is just kind of like it's worth its weight in gold you can't you can't buy that you can bring somebody else in who on paper brilliantly scores goals isn't it the ever but i think there's nothing better than having a happy jolly positive it's all about positivity because again we'd like to be positive all the time when you've got positivity positivity around you it's really great when you get negativity it just drags you down but it's positivity and i love canos's positivity and i think his positivity on brentford is probably worth 10 points a season and i need to mention this player before we, before we stop, because, before we have a twang, Nico Yunaris, who has played brilliantly, for, well, not brilliantly, he's played very, very well for most of the season with K- 
carrying an injury. He's, he, he needed he needed surgery quite a long time ago, and he's played through the pain barrier, and he and he's put himself on the line. Well, we've almost run through the entire team now, so I mean, perhaps we ought to stop now. No, we're going to stop now. But we, this is the different categories as well, and and, and that's fair enough. I mean, you're not happy, are you? You just wanted to take one person, but we well, stop. yeah, because you can only have one player can win Player of the Season. We, no, no, but know, this is a different category. There's different categories. We, we could have got Hottie of the Year. We could have gone one-legged Player of the Year. We could have just gone sort of, you know, sort of kind of. Player under six foot six, under the five foot five, under the year. I'm a decent chap, and I like to see everybody be a winner. But you can be a bit ridiculous about this. Liberals, he's never happy, is he? No, certainly not. Anyway, we shall move on. So next Sunday, we're at the Drayton Court Hotel in England. We've got the Brentford end of season, the crowd of the summer, and the season speed up. And we've got poker legends there. We've got Gary Roberts. We've got Graham Benstead, we've got Francis Joseph, and we've also got Billy Manuel, who we've got on the phone with me now. Billy, how are you doing? Yeah, very good, very good. That's good. You looking forward to Sunday? You're gearing yourself up? Yeah, I can't, listen, I can't wait to be, be, be there and, and meet the old players, a couple of the old players, and, and, and see the supporters again. Like, really looking forward to it. That's right, man. We're looking forward to it as well. Like I said to you, there's, a, there's the old legends in the house as well, which you talked about. There's sort of a few of your old mates coming down there as well, aren't they? Just to be in the... Just to have a few drinks and have a bit of a laugh as well, isn't there? Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Like, like I said, with the supporters and, and old players, when you come out of the game, you, you lose contact with them. Uh, obviously, you're doing your own thing and this and that. And obviously, being this side of London, uh, you don't get to see them or, or stay in touch with them, really. So, I'm really looking forward to it, yeah. Well, that's good. But like I said to you, we've got all sorts going on, on on the night. Like I said, we've got a comedian. He's a Brimford comedian, actually. So Tim Clark, he's going to be down there as well. We've got a magician. He's quite a bit of a character. He's feeding lazy. He's a, you're right laughing. There'll be a few twists with him as well. We've got the food and drink and all sorts of stuff as well. But obviously, we're talking to all you, you the legends on that night. And we're going to be asking you loads of questions about stuff. And you're going to be revealing things about Brentford, which we've always loved on these sites as well. But we thought, we're sitting in the pub here. We've got the podcast. We're just going to pass the phone around because we thought... Something. Why don't we ask Philly? We've got a few yeah. questions for Billy, so we need to ask Philly. So I'm going to go around the houses here. We've got the characters in the house, and they're going to ask you a question, Billy. We're going to see if whether or not you can answer it, mate. So here we go. We've got the oh, Summer Chris. Summer Chris. Hi, Billy. Hello, mate. You right? I just want to know, why are you a pit bull and not a poodle? Why am I a pit bull and not a poodle? Well, a lot of people have called me a poodle, Billy the Poodle afterwards, but uh, I just think when I returned to Brentford at Griffin Park playing for Cambridge uh, and getting sent off three times in four games, that sort of proves that I'm really a pit bull and not a poodle. Three times in four games? That's, that's three, it's a record, but it ain't a fucking good record. It's, like, nor, like, it's a bad record. Like Roy Castle was there with his, his trumpet saying I'm a record breaker, but uh, it wasn't a good record. So, right. Better than my record, I'll tell you that. I'm sure the Liberals got one for you. All right, mate. Hi, Billy. Liberal Nick here. Um, Given that we're in the middle of a derby run, I wanted to know, what was your favourite derby game when you played for Brentford? My favourite derby game, it was... uh, It was against Fulham, 4-0. Obviously, Yeah, I think me and Jamie Bates' sub... And I was hoping someone would have come off or got injured or, you know, it's horrible to say. But I just wanted to be in there. We was on the, 
on the bench, on the touchline, warming up all the time. Uh, after Simon Ratcliffe scored, Gary Blissett scored, and everyone else, I just wanted to be there just to celebrate it. So that would have been my, my favourite one, beating Fulham 4-0 at Griffin Park. That, that's a great memory, because of course we're playing Fulham on Saturday, and 25 years ago with that memory. Let's hope we can give you and all the Brentford fans super memory for the 25 years. I'll pass you on to Dave Lane now. Thanks, Bill. Okay, thank you. Cheers, fella. Hi, Bill. How you doing, mate? Hello, mate. You all right? Yeah, all good, all good. I've got, I've got an amazing photograph of you, which I'll bring along for you on, uh, on Sunday. And it's you, you're, 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 well, you're not kissing him. You're, you're kind of, you're marking Glenn Hodder when he was playing for Swindon that, that season. But oh, what I'd like to ask you, Bill, is like, who, who was your toughest opponent um, you faced while playing for Brentford? Uh, my, my toughest opponent, there would have been uh, Liam O'Brien at uh, Newcastle. Uh, and uh, there was a fellow played for uh, Derby, uh, centre midfield player. He was at Portsmouth, I, I can't remember his name, to be fair. Uh, when Derby sort of started spending lots of money. Uh, we had, we had some good run-ins with Derby that year, didn't we? We had him in yeah, we did. Yeah. To be fair, the, the best thing that I've done against Derby was Paul Kitson, I was standing on the, on the near post, and Paul Kitson sort of come up to me, and he went, what's your name? He went, I don't, I don't quite remember your name. I went, excuse me? <laughs> and... I went, excuse me, I, I leant closer to him, and as he, he went, what's your name? I went, bang, and I nutted him, and he sort of like, staggered away a little bit, but he ended up on the penalty spot. But he went down to touch, like, to try his like, laces, and the call to come in, the ball fucking ricocheted off Terry Evans or Keith Millen or someone. It fell to him, he sort of got up and scored, and he turned around and looked at me and just winked. Ah, uh, you know what, it was the worst moment. Uh, it's just who is, I mean, you play with all sorts of characters from Benno, from Carl Hutchins, you know, to Joe Allen, a lot. Who was the biggest yeah. character at Brentford when you were there? The biggest character yeah. would have been, uh, you know what, a lot of people never ever thought this, but Kevin Godfrey was, uh, he was like Mr. Brentford, he was like so underrated, but he used to put so much work in as, as a player, as a winger. And everything else. He was, he was so dry, but he was so funny. And unless you got to know him really, really well, we'd open up to him. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say, yeah, Kevin Godfrey was, uh, was, was really funny. Excellent. Well, 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 he used to have a triumph stag, and he used to give me a lift in sometimes, and it used to break down nearly every other day, so. Excellent. That was that was a funny thing. Excellent. We've got Kevin Godfrey in one of our Anglo Italian Cup videos as well. You can see he's a bit of a character. To be honest, we might see if we could track him down and get him down to one of the future socials as well. Because I'm that'd be that'd be really good. It'd be it'd be good to get him in there actually, which is all good. Like you know, so Billy, 
Listen, you're not yeah. revealing any more stories. We're going to tell them all on Sunday night. We're going to have a right laugh Sunday night. Listen, I'll start that. thinking back. But uh, obviously, some might be a little bit X-rated. So uh, <laughs> I'll, <laughs> okay, I'll keep them for Sunday. That's right. Me keeping them for Sunday. So listen, Sunday night. It's uh, Sunday the 30th, Frank Holiday Sunday, which means you can have a line on a Monday. It's at a Drake Court Hotel in Ealing. Tickets are still on the Besotted website. Just go to besotted.co.uk. Click on the banner and you can get a ticket yeah. there as well. There's, we're actually, it's gone mental the last week as well. So we've only got sort of like a certain amount of tickets left, which is all good. But just get down there, get in there. It's going to be a right good laugh. We're going to have a yeah. right good crack. We've got all these players in there and really, really looking forward to it. If you want to I'll be the there early anyway. I'll be there yeah. early because I might, I might get down there sort of early and watch the Tottenham Arsenal game somewhere. So. Us, which is all good, mate. So we'll see you down there as well. So, Billy, it's good to chat to you, mate, and we'll see you on Sunday. Come on, your beast. Okay, mate. Lovely. Top man. So, Saturday, Brentford travelled to Craven Cottage for our annual jolly jamboree day out. We have a right laugh there all the time. There's a couple of boats going as well. I don't know if there's tickets left on the boats or it's sold out, but you should just check the buyer's account if you want to just check out if the boats are going there as well. Um, because people have lost on the boats. We decided this year not to go on the boat, not for any particular reason, but we just thought we'd get down to Fulham or Putney or wherever it is early to try and see if we can actually just check out the vibes. And we're still trying to work out exactly where to go because the usual pubs that we go to, the, the one that's the Rocket, and also the boathouse they've been made Fulham fans only and I think Putney mainly is Fulham fans only but there are a few pubs there I think we sussed out one or two so we're going to suss that out and then we're going to go there and plot ourselves right up it's going to be a right good laugh but to be honest with you it'll be absolutely fantastic day out no matter what happens because it's just Fulham it's down the road really really looking forward to it Fulham I'm just going to be a little fact because a lot of people don't know this we've played Fulham do you know the last time Fulham have beaten Brentford at Craven Cottage? No, we don't know, Bill. Tell us. Yeah, I can't remember either. <laughs> Was it 1919? 1919 is close, but it's not quite close enough. Not 1919, but change that to the 10th of April, 1990. Fulham versus Brentford, 1-0 to Fulham. The crowd was about 6,700. 6,700? That's it, yeah. 6,700? Yeah. We, we took that there two seasons ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, 6,700. And they're, they're all Brentford. They were there for the Brentford. How many of those were neutral fans? No, I don't know. I don't know if they even conceived that back in the day. So that was the score, 1990. And since then, Fulham have not beaten Brentford at Craven Cottage. Now, I don't go on history, because at the end of the day, each season it's a clean slate, so anything can happen now. It's not looking in their favour, but but if you know your history, it's enough to make your heart go... So Fulham, Fulham for me is the one, mate. You know, I know a lot of people keep me they love all these other derbies, but Fulham is the one for me. I just love this derby. I want to beat them so much. Keep me that was great. Yeah, see you later, but done. But, you know, I would take it, like I said to you, QPR or Fulham, if you're going to take a victory out of the two, you can only take one of them. For me, I would take Fulham over QPR any day of the week. So what listen. Dunwich Hamlet over Lewisham? Ah, there you go. It's not Lewisham anyway. It's Tooting, if you know your history, mate. You know what I'm saying? So Hamlet over Tooting, it's got to be the Hamlet. But anyway, you come back to Brentford because that's the most important thing this weekend. They're playing Fulham. Guys, how are you feeling? Because I'm going to have to say this. Fulham, they look mighty fine. When they played us and they beat us, Back in November, we turned around and said, Go, oh, blimey, they're quite good. And we said, Look, playoffs for Fulham, they're looking for the playoffs. Even though they struggled a little bit, we still said they're one of the best sides we've played. And they've proved it now, and they're up in there. So we're going to have to be on our game to get a result out of Fulham on Saturday. Crumble, Chris. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think they, they're, they're very strong. They're, they've got the momentum behind them. They're playing well, they're scoring goals, they've got good players. 
Um, but then I would say at the same time, I don't think anyone would have uh, picked on picked us to to beat them four one when we beat them four one at their place two years ago. I'd I'd absolutely I'd just just hope we we play well, turn up, give a good account of ourselves. And even if we even if we get a draw, I think a draw would be a good result because it just throws their playoffs into doubt, and that's that's all we want to do. And again, I mean, one thing I've got to come back to is that you know we can talk about Fulham and their their, their great play, but Fulham ain't going to be looking forward to playing us at all. I mean, they've given it all the bravado and ah, oh, your cup final, and don't worry about it. But they're going to be a little bit nervous about this game, and also the fact is that if they lose against us. They have to play Sheffield Wednesday, where it's basically it's kind of a bit of a winner, winner takes all for that one. So the fact is that they're also going to come into our game with a little bit of nerves, where we can go into that game with no nerves whatsoever. Liberal, absolutely agree about that. And the other good thing is that because they'll have to come forward, because they'll have to try and win it, they'll give us space. And our success this season is about teams that have to play football against us, who give us space, who allow us to to come on to them. Um, are, are frightened of spe- are frightened of everything. Uh, Dave, I caught Dave Lane's eye there, and I've got to now come back and think what I was saying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, because we'll be able to play football, I'm really confident about this. I, uh, you know, it's brilliant that at the end of season we're not trickling out. We're not lying on a beach. The players won't be. The players won't be um, engaged in any shenanigans. I suggest that we will walk away from Fulham with a 2-1 victory. Crumble, you didn't give a, a, a score. I, I didn't give a didn't give a score prediction. Um, scared? I'm not. No, I'm not scared. I, I never. I never enjoy derbies. I'm, I'm one of these people that you know I could drink an absolute skinful beforehand. Oh, um, but then. I think I would go 1-1. One, one. Is that David Button? I'm not, <laughs> Sorry. 1-1, one, one, I think. I, I, ah, comfor- come on, have confidence, man. But no, I'm always, I'm always uh, happiest when I don't have confidence and I'm always pleasantly surprised. So I'm going to say 1-1. One, one. The lady. Well, <laughs> this is what I think. I think if both teams play at their potential, we could be looking at a proper El Clasico here. I think it could be a very high-scoring draw. I'm not. I, Bravado is obviously always going to play a part in this. I, I want Brentford to absolutely go to Craven Cottage and humiliate them. I want. I want to. I want to watch people in white shirts crying. But you know, you, you, all you got to do is look at their goal difference. Fulham plus 27. That that, that says to me. I mean, they, they, they they've got a better goal difference than everyone apart from Brighton and Newcastle in this division. It means they've got a really good attacking. And they're very good at defending. That, that's, that, 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 that proves it. They obviously lose more. That's, you know, that's why they're not in the in the automatic promotion push. But they're not a million miles away from that. They're a very good team this season. So are we. And I predict, I predict three all draw. Interesting as well. And for me, you know me, I always go gung ho. I'm potty for it. I love it. The bees are going to go out there. Fulham. Listen, we're there this season. They're the type of team where the way they are now. That next season, that we need to go to their place and contain so for me I'm thinking that we're going to go there and one all draw I'll be very happy with I want to beat them of course but I think one all draw will be a very good result for us because it goes to show you if we go there next season this is the type of thing we do we win at home and we draw away but you have to draw away at teams not like Rotherham but teams like Fulham you've got to draw away at teams like that because potentially they are a uh, I hate to say it, but they're promoted side. You're being too... Look, look, we have a chance to ruin Fulham's season. 
if any of the players are listening to this podcast, they should know that we as Brentford supporters want Fulham's season to be ruined. You know me, I'm not a big tribalist, but in this instance, we can ruin Fulham's season. No, 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 no you can do it. You misconstrue. Listen. I want listen. If there's any team I want to get smashed out of the earth, it's going to be Fulham. I, you know, I still sing about them in the showers. You know what I'm saying? You know, 25 years later. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I know Lady's probably got something to say about that, but you know, no, no. But you know, it's one of those ones where Fulham, massive, massive, massive. But let, let's just put a little realistic tuck on it. I think one all. I'll be absolutely delighted. I think that Brentford are good enough to beat them three or four nil. But I think tomorrow, listen, it's a big, big game for Fulham. And the fact is that. A one-all draw for them, that'll be terrible for them because they'll be like still in a bit of quandary land. Um, and for us, I think it's going to be okay. But listen, this has been the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And it's been absolutely fantastic. We've had a great, great little chat today. Had a few beers and everything like that. It's been all good. We've talked about all sorts. We had Brilliant Manual talking to us. We've talked about QPR. We've talked about the player of the year. We've talked about oh, all sorts so of stuff. Talk to you about John Terry. No interest. We've been talking about that at all. We've been talking about all sorts of sensible stuff and not some sort of internet nonsense that's been going around the place. So it's been absolutely fantastic. We are really looking forward to Fulham on Saturday. We're getting there early. We're getting down there about 11 o'clock in the morning and we're going to find somewhere to drink and just chill out and have a laugh and enjoy ourselves and fingers crossed Brentford will beat them 4-0 and you can come to me next week and say Billy you are absolutely wrong but forget about that it's not about me it's not about Liberal it's not about any of these characters here it's about our team Brentford who are going to smash Fulham on Saturday forget about what I said forget one it's going to be 4-0 but listen we've got, a, we've got a social on Sunday we've still got tickets left for it we've not that many tickets but go in there click on it there's like loads of people coming down loads of players coming down you heard Billy Manuel he's potty for it just click on besotted.co.uk there's a banner there and there's going to be last but listen we're looking to Fulham so much we've got ferries we've got boats we've got trains we've got planes we've got automobiles we've got balloons coming down Brentford fans are coming from everywhere Fulham are scared Fulham are scared the neutral section is full of Brentford fans the LA is full of Brentford fans we're everywhere we're going to take over that place we're going to sing our hearts out as hotter scores in the last minute as we say Come on, you Come on, John Terry's mum. Oh, no, we weren't meant to mention that. We weren't meant to mention that at all. You had to spoil it, didn't you? Didn't you? Oh, you're so childish. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.